on This Week in History with Paul Waite. And it's on This Week in History with me, because I am Paul Waite. In fact, I am Paul David Waite, son of John Waite, who was 87 last week. Oh, uh, isn't that wonderful? Birthday, and I also have to give a shout out to Lisa Christina Waite, who was much less than 87 on Tuesday. Such a gentleman. <laughs> yes, but obviously as a, a great inspiration for this show uh, with her depth of music knowledge. So I know um, this is becoming increasingly popular on This Week in History. Uh, so Drew tells me we've now split it out as a separate podcast. We so uh, have, sir. there's so much to um, enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, it was good now because we've been doing it for so many weeks that um, we're starting to see... Um, what happened where something developed yeah you know what i mean and it's and we're seeing the we're seeing the end of it or the development of it you know and mm. it's 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 making it uh, really good for me when i choose uh, my facts in the first place so um start off with today in uh, this in the year 476 uh was officially the end of the western roman empire uh, so the Rome, Rome had basically been declining as a power for quite some mm. time, had been increasingly uh, assaulted by the Vandals, the Goths, the Visigoths. Heard of all those? Yes. All those uh, Germanic, uh, Spanish, etc. tribes. I didn't realise uh, that that was where Vandal came from when you say, oh, he was such a Vandal. Yeah, the uh, Vandals were tribe. Yeah. 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 Um, and eventually um, Rome was overrun. And of course, the only, um, and of course, the reason it's called it Western Roman Empire is effectively the Roman Empire then, and again, I hope, it, hope you guys knew this, the Roman Empire shifted to Constantinople. Did you know mm. that? Which became, uh, which became um, the Eastern, effectively the Eastern Roman Empire. Well, and that stayed in situ for a very long time. Okay. So there's that one, a great one. Um, homage again to my Hungarian chums. I know that uh, Andrash uh, was very excited for the shout out I gave him last week. So in the year 1526, it was the Battle of Mohash, I think you'd say, uh, M-O-H-A-C-S. Uh, and the Hungarian Empire was conquered by Suleiman the Magnificent, who was probably... Uh, the greatest uh, ruler of the Ottoman Empire. Mm. Uh, and um, I know you two think I know a lot. Anyway, I know an awful lot about Suleiman the Magnificent because I studied him in my history A-level. Oh, wow. And I wrote a thesis on him. Yeah. Um, I've actually been, uh, I think it was Malta. I've uh, been to Malta a couple of times and there's a wonderful museum there. Suleiman conquered Malta as well and he was fighting the Knights Templar and all wow. those weird people uh, many times. And I, I'd have to say... We could do a separate show about this, Ben, but um, Suleiman the Magnificent would be probably in my top five people I respected in history. Mm. Uh, just just to throw this in, because you won't even know who he is, but my, do you know who, my, who I think the greatest uh, military leader of all time was? Go on. Gustavus Adolphus II, King of Sweden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have, to learn, you have to read about him. So Gustavus Adolphus is my hero. So there we are. Gustavus uh, great man. Um, in 1825, Portugal recognised the independence of Brazil. So I always think that's quite a good little question, that. Um, you know, people, I think people on the whole tend to think that South American countries talk Spanish. Mm. Uh, and it's quite anomalous that the biggest country in South America by far, which is Brazil, uh, obviously speaks Portuguese. And of course, they're very, it's, that's quite a good uh, thing to do, Ben. If you ever want to do a little quiz for your friends, um, ask people to tell you which countries speak Portuguese. Um, okay, yeah. I'll, uh, uh, I'll put that one in the bag. I think Mozambique is one. Mozambique? Oh, wow. 
uh, possibly Angola. I'm not, I'm not certain of that, but I'd have a little bit of a bet on that. Right, I'm uh, going to write that down for one of questions for next time I do a quiz. Yeah, so there's, yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite a good. So you, you little listeners, you go and improve your brain because we are telling you there's no substitute for knowledge, okay? So you go and find out which countries speak Portuguese. <laughs> um, fourth fact, in 1831, Michael Faraday demonstrated uh, the first electric transformer which obviously was very instrumental in the development of electricity, etc. Uh, and the last fact before we uh, got a lot, four, got 14 facts today. So um, the last fact before we head off to our next song, um, got to check what it is, actually. Where are we? Uh, help. Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah lovely. Roy Don't really like Pretty Woman as a film. I find it rather moral, immoral, actually. But there we are. Perhaps I'm a bit of a fuggy woogie or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so in 1833, something to be really proud about, especially at the moment where we've heard this week the BBC won't play Land of Hope and Glory or Royal Britannia uh, ah. at the proms because the lyrics are supposed to be colonial. I mean, I'd, I, I think I'm Dearly getting me. to the end of my tolerance uh, in this mm. country. So I just want to register my massive... If anyone's listening to this uh, who, who wants to take offence at Land of Hope and Glory, then you can go, damn well go and live in another country. Uh, something to be really proud of. In 1833, it was the Britain's uh, Slavery slavery Abolition Act uh, became law. We're the first country in the world to abolish slavery. Something to be truly proud of. <laughs>
This Week in History. And welcome back to the second part of On This Week in History with Paul Waite. And we've moved on to fact six today. And in 1842, the Opium War ended. Who knows anything about that? Or, or indeed, no. the importance of opium. Does anyone, has anyone read about that at all? No. So no. basically, um, uh, Britain, uh, so Britain, uh, so Britain and China went to war, effectively, because uh, this, is, this is quite shameful, actually. Uh, Britain made, so at the time, you know, we're, I suppose if you're translating in today's money, maybe even billions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of revenue, uh, by growing opium plants in China and then selling them to the Chinese population. And that this is not a word of a lie. Uh, as a result, uh, the greater percentage of Chinese people were opium addicts. Wow. So they obviously had a miserable life. Uh, and, and actually the British <laughs> shamelessly, uh, not only did they shamelessly uh, you know, exploit and develop this industry, they actually went to war over it when the Chinese tried to stop it. Wow. So uh, Britain and China were fighting for quite a long time. Of course, it's quite an interesting sign of the times that at, at the time, uh, you know, we were able to normally win. Mm. So Britain would have beaten China in those days. Uh, in 1842, the war came to an end with the Treaty of Nanking. So that's something to look at. I know you're very interested in the whole thing about narcotics, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, if any other than the police say, he just likes to read about them, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and he likes to eat Mr. Kipling's cakes. <laughs> Yeah, it, opium because that's um, that's that's heroin, isn't it? That's what, so obviously. Is it? Well, I think someone needs to have a look at that. So mm. perhaps one of you boys would like to come back to me. I wasn't sure it was, but if it, 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 it'd it's be nice what to they know. make that from uh, Is it? opium poppy, yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's stop talking about drugs because people <laughs> think we will get a bad name, you know, and that's the way they'll think that we're, we're only happy for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> we're happy because we're all druggies. Because love, man. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, I like that. That's better. So uh, in 1854, um, the self-governing windmill was patented by a guy called Daniel Halliday. So obviously windmills have been going around in Amsterdam and <laughs> things for a very long time. And if any of you have gone down to places like Kent with the Oast Houses, Ben, have you seen those? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I've not seen those. Um, they're, they're called Oast Houses. I think that's where um, where windmills uh, went. Same, same reason I spent in Holland, where uh, the, the, basically the uh, the wind driving the you know the blades round uh, created energy to drive the water to crush to crush grain and things yes. like that. You know, uh, I think the reason they're called Oast Houses. I think in this case it was hops. Mm. So uh, they were Oast Houses because the the, the the hops that were crushed in the uh, places were then used for beer. Yum yum. Uh, mm. In fact, one of the best beers around is called Spitfire. One of my oh, there you go. Kent beer. So uh, get uh, Oast though is that what, what's that? O A S T. That's what it's called. Oast houses. Oast. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, really interesting one. This eighth fact in eighteen hundred and eighty-three, uh, just after. If you heard about the Krakatoa eruption, there's actually a firm called uh, a firm. There's actually a film called. Um, East of Java, something about Krakatoa. Um, so in 1883, this an enormous volcano uh, in, in Indonesia, basically, by the island of Java, called Krakatoa, erupted. And um, it was so seismic that 32 hours after this happened, uh, the sea level in the English Channel rose by several feet. Wow. Uh, so, in fact, um, the factual d description is seismic sea waves were created in England. And this was, what, five and a half thousand miles from where it happened? 
So just to show, movies. it's actually really interesting. There's a, there's a couple of films, a couple of films about um, about Krakatoa. Mm. Um, ninth one. Um, so in 1885, the guy uh, Daimler, who obviously you know associated Daimler now with nice cars, uh, he actually received uh, the first patent for a motorbike. So Daimler first um, was famous for motorbikes, not cars. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? Mm. So I think that's enough facts for, for now. We've got five left. That's probably enough. Um, and then uh, moving on, we have uh, a song by one of my favourite artists of all time. I think he sings as nicely as Ben talks. Um, and it's Alexander O'Neill. If you were here tonight... <laughs>
news of old on This Week in History with Paul Waite. I am bringing you the news of old, and I had turned my microphone down and everything, so no one could hear what I was saying anyway. So I could have been bringing, bringing you absolutely nothing. We could have had a load of silent facts. That would be fun. It'd be like the king, the king with no clothes. Uh, the facts your with own no facts. facts. In. Yeah. <laughs> and I could have tested you and said, "What did you learn of that?" And we could have all been silent. And you could have no. I give you the prize to the person who had the best thought. Because I, being a schizophrenic, I would have come up with loads of thoughts, even though I was silent. You see, because I'm a bit daft. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tenth one, uh, something quite dear to my heart. In 1895, there was the formation of the Northern Rugby Union in Huddersfield. Uh, so that, what, that, what that actually means in practice is what we would now call the Rugby League. So Rugby League, Northern, uh, some Northern clubs broke away from the uh, Rugby Union, created a separate code. Um, so uh, just for those who don't know, Rugby Union's played with 15 players, uh, has lineouts and scrums. Uh, Rugby League only has 13 players, has Ponzi scrums, which aren't really scrums at all, no lineouts. Um, and Rugby League players think they're harder than Rugby Union players. And they were for many, many years, and now they're not anymore. Mm, okay. um, so I have to say... Um, as- Rugby 101 with Paul. <laughs> so I'm very proud to say that my father played for Witness Vikings. Uh, so um, I was grown up uh, very much as a hybrid Rugby League and Rugby Union fan. Uh, and I can see the the, the best in both Oh, but I like to do this. I've got a client's thoughts like this. I'm really hard, and it's really, I'm never really happier unless it rains. And the more it rains, the harder I am, you know, and I want to walk in it because I'm not a southern softy. That um, sums up rugby league. You're allowed to take someone's head off because you're a northerner. <laughs> Absolutely right. So we just heard Paul's father there um, come in. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Uh, in 1898, the Goodyear Tire Company was formed, which obviously um was uh, quite important it was a good we've missed you drew <laughs> uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure what i think about that one i think we'll see um a horrific fact number 12 regardless about one what one thinks about uh, the people on it uh in 1929 we had the hindenburg disaster Does, do you want to tell me about that oh, i wish i could the graf zeppelin the Graf Zeppelin. You know what Zeppelins are, do you? Oh, Zeppelin, a fly, flying thing. Yes, flying so bird. Uh, probably the finest, uh, what do you call it, transport, um, you know, holiday transport Vessel. facility in the world. Uh, clearly Germans, or the Germans had all of them. Uh, flying from Berlin to New York. Uh, started to land at New York, burst into flames. Quite horrific, actually. There's real, you can actually see the real document, you know, wow. the real film of it. Uh, they were like and a, flying balloons almost, weren't they? And amazingly, only I think only 39 people were actually killed. Oh. Um, and you can see uh, hundreds of people jumping what seems to be uh, a very long way onto the floor. Uh, I, I would recommend anyone listening to this to get the original soundtrack of the uh, New York radio uh, correspondent who's actually commenting on this live wow. he's like oh my god it's bursting the flames you know mm-hmm. and he's in you can actually listen to it it's it's uh, it's quite remarkable so it's a, a, a fascinating uh, thing in history very quick one in 1939 something very dear to my heart uh heim weitzman uh, who was a leader of the palestine jews told england that they would fight for us in world war ii and boy did they uh, 19, uh, then in 1963 one of the great speeches of all time by martin luther king um, do you know? Do you guys I know about? I have a dream. Yeah. I believe in a world where all men are equal, or whatever he said. Oh yeah, and all that. Oh yeah, that, yeah. So, yeah very uh, inspiring speech. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think um, Martin Luther King, unlike Malcolm X, for instance, who was basically a terrorist, I would have said, uh, I think Martin Luther King ranks with people like Mandela mm. um, just as a great man. I don't think I don't think it matters as someone who's white, pink, mm. purple, grey, uh, or has ice cream hair like Ben. You know, he was very into um, non-violence, wasn't he? Like peaceful protest. And just, gathering. just. Uh, Great. And uh, finally, um, uh, the final fact is um, 2004. Uh, this is something that gave me an immense amount of pleasure. I'd say it could be said that I actually love athletics more than anything else in sport, which is quite a hard thing because obviously I love horse racing and rugby union uh, and also probably cycling. And I know quite a lot about football, uh, but I really, really like watching top athletics, particularly uh, people that I followed for a long time. So Kelly Holmes would be a brilliant example of someone who had the Aspen weight spirit. So Kelly Holmes was a Kelly Holmes was a brilliantly talented 800 and 1500 meter runner. Uh, was a sergeant, I think, in the British Army. Uh, had had fought against adversity for years and years and years. One of the things I don't like about athletes is when they're interviewed, they're always talking about uh, how badly they're injured, you know. And I think they it'd be nice if they had a bit more resolve, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, so Kelly Holmes used to bellyache for years about the fact that she lost because this hurt or that hurt and she hadn't trained very well and all this. Uh, and then amazingly, in the 2004 Olympics, and obviously she was running against uh, her her nemesis, an actual at that time training partner, Mary Matola, who actually did come from Mozambique, mm-hmm. uh, who was the world champion. Uh, and Kelly Holmes, amazingly, uh, in her weaker event, uh, won the gold medal um, on the Wednesday, whatever it was, in the 800 metres. Uh, and then... Um, about a week later in the 1500 meters absolutely if you want, I, I, I urge you guys to watch this on youtube absolutely beautifully peerless display of running it was lovely to see a woman who wasn't used to winning and she he went into that 1500 meter olympic final and she knew she was going to win wow it's just a beautiful piece of running runs at the back just canters around gets gets on the shoulder pisses away from everyone else uh i cried i still i still i, I cry watching it now because i'm so pleased for her so good on you kelly that was brilliant made me feel very proud and now we have opeth who won't they're thinking about crying which is something to be proud of
Want to hear more? You can listen back to any of our shows on demand at aspenweightradio.com.